Uh, it's good to be back this morning. Have you been enjoying the meetings? Yeah. Woohoo! Oh. We have too. You know, these are impartation services, and so there's impartation that's happening. Last night, uh, we laid hands on the whole church. In fact, yeah. I think people driving by pulled in the parking lot, and we laid hands on them. Oh. Every time I'd look, there was more people. I'm like, where are these people coming from? Sure. But um, there's impartations that were made, I believe, last night during the service. There's impartations that have been going forth with just the word yeah. that's been spoken. And so um, you just wait and see. There's going to be things showing up in your lives that you, you're like, oh, I think I... Oh, that's different. It may be healing. It may be direction. It may be, you know, never know what. But I'm telling you what, there are impartations that are being, that are happening from the very first night. And we still have all day today. So, um, you know, the Bible talks about how God said in the church, uh, ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. I always add another one, the spoon. So I'm part pastor and part spoon. You said the spoon. I stir people. That's what I do. I stir things. I don't stir up trouble now. I stir up. <laughs> don't ask my husband on that one. No. I know that I, I stir people up. I'm an exhorter. And, um, and so this morning, I just want to stir you up along the lines of praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. So you know what? I think it'd be good if we just had some scripture to start off with. So turn to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read you. Uh, I want us to read. Turn. Find it on your phone. Whatever the case may be. And just find it. Acts chapter 1. You know, a lot of times when um, you're getting ready to leave the house or maybe uh, getting ready to go do something and you always give last minute instructions. You know, if my husband's getting ready to leave the house and I've asked him to stop by the store, I'll remind him as he's walking out the door. Now, don't forget to stop by the store. Last minute instructions are usually the most important instructions. If you're a parent and your child goes to school, you know, you might want to say, don't forget your lunch. Don't forget to, you know, don't forget, don't forget. A reminders, last minute reminders. Well, Jesus had gone to the cross. He'd risen from the dead. He appeared to his disciples and he had some last things to say. Instructions for his disciples. And it's very important that we, we know and we recognize what he said because there was great purpose in what he said. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he said, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skip down to verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other uttermost parts of the earth. And my Bible says to the ends of the earth. That was his last instruction to his disciples. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. So they went. They went to Jerusalem. The Bible talks about how they went into the upper room. 120 of them went up into the upper room and they were waiting. Day after day after day. They didn't know what they were waiting for. All they knew was they were waiting for the promise of the Father. They had no clue what it was going to look like. They could have, after a few days, say, uh, now, why are we here? Or, you know what? <clears throat> I know he said to come up here and wait, but, you know, i got things to do. i got places I need to be. How long are we supposed to wait? They were real people. Remember that? And yesterday, all the stories in the Bible, there are real people that happened to real people just like us. 
I guarantee you they had doubts. I guarantee you they wondered, what are we waiting for? Let's head to Burger King. (laughs) But in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. You see, God has specific timing. And if we get antsy, if we jump out and try to make something happen on our own, we will get ahead of God. We will miss his timing and it will, it will, there'll be no, there'll be no fruit. So we have to make sure that we stay with his timing, that we're walking out his plan in his time, not behind, not ahead, but right with them. And it says when the day of Pentecost, they had to wait for the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, it says, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all in agreement. They all knew why we're there. They were there. They all had one purpose. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the birth of the church. This was a very important encounter. This is what Jesus said. You have to go. You have to wait for the promise of the Father. You have to. And it's interesting to me that when that day came, that a wind blew through and then fire came. It could have just been wind. That had been great. A sound from heaven like as of a mighty wind filling the house. That was a great song, by the way, Pastor Tom. Never heard that last song. Really good. The wind blew, but it wasn't just the wind. There was fire that showed up. And it just didn't appear in the, in the ceiling or, you know, fire. It said it came in and it sat on them. There was purpose in that. Absolutely. How many of you have ever caught yourself on fire? <laughs> Nobody? Oh, come on. I have a great story. Actually, I've caught myself on fire numerous times. I used to have fake fingernails, and I was striking a match, and the match caught onto my thumbnail, and I had fire coming off of my nail. They do burn. I found that out. I'm like, ooh, you know. But years ago, we were home, and my husband decided he wanted to take me on a date. So my favorite little Italian restaurant in Tulsa, so romantic. So we went, we sat down at our little table and had the candle in the middle of the the table, and it was dim. So we're all just, you know, we're having our dinner, and we're talking and enjoying this wonderful date night. By the way, you never get past where you need to have date nights for those that are married. Make sure you have time together, that you romance your wife, hubby, hubbies. How you romanced her at the very beginning, why you stopped? Because you caught her? Mm. Okay, so I'm stirring, but we'll move right on. So, back to the fire story. You know, there wouldn't be half as many marriage problems if people would continue doing what they did before they were married, after they're married. I'm pastoring now and stirring. Okay, so back to the fire story. So we're having our dinner, and so at the end of the dinner, um, the little waitress came and she said, "Would you like dessert?" 
And so my husband says, yeah, I'll have a piece of cheesecake. And I said, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm too full. But I'll have a bite of his. So she brings the dessert. She sets it down in front of him. And we're still talking. And he begins to eat his dessert. And we're still talking. And all of a sudden, I look down. And I'm thinking, his half of his dessert is gone. And he's never even offered me my bite. So if I'm going to have a bite, I think I better just, you know, go after it. So I picked my fork up. I reached over to take my bite. And when I did, the sleeve of my sweater got a little too close to the candle that was on the table. And when I looked down, I had flames coming up, starting at my, what is this, wrist, starting at my wrist, rapidly moving up my arm. Flames. Not just smoke. We had flames. And so I all of a sudden had this vision of me dying. I'm going to burn to death in this Italian restaurant. So, you know, that mini little mini vision that you get. And so I immediately jumped on my feet in the middle of the restaurant, threw my fork up in the air, began waving my arms and screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, the flames went out. The miraculous part was they didn't even singe singe the cotton on my sweater. I had That was a miracle, kind of like... Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego yesterday. None of my clothes were burned. But, but I, so I'm, I'm on my feet screaming Jesus in the middle of the restaurant. And I look down at my husband, who I know dearly loves me. He was sitting there still. I'm on my feet, of course. He's sitting there with the fork in his hand. And he looks up at me and he goes, Really? Really? I'm the one on fire that thinks she's going to burn to death, and her husband is still sitting there telling me to be quiet. But you know what? When you're not on fire, it's easy to be the one sitting there with no reaction, with no response, unmoved, untouched. But when you're on fire, it's like the prophet Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones and I cannot contain myself. That is why God started the church out with fire. He wanted us to be burning. He wanted us to be fervent. He wanted us to be passionate. He wanted us to be on fire so that it didn't matter what's going on. You're bold. He doesn't want a namby-pamby church. He wants a church that's on fire. If that's how we started, that's how he wants us to end up. Did you get that? If that's how we started the church on fire, he wants a church on fire to wrap this thing up when he comes back. (laughs) And if the church started out praying in tongues, then why in the world would we not still be praying in tongues? But the church, what is the church made of? It's not the walls. It's us. It's the people. We need to be praying in tongues every day. Praying in tongues is the doorway to the supernatural. The doorway. It's just the doorway. It's what gets you inside the room, so to speak. Praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. No wonder it's the language of the supernatural. No wonder the devil has fought it for so many years. There was a a survey taken of a group of believers. It didn't say how many, but it said 15, this is shocking. Only 15% of spirit-filled believers pray in tongues every day. 
9% pray in tongues once a month. 7% pray in tongues once a week. And 49% never pray in tongues. It's a shocking. Shocking. But if Jesus felt it was so important to tell them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, then again, there has to be purpose. And this morning, what I want to do is share some purposes, reasons why we need to pray in tongues every day. Every day, not just once a week, not just when we come to church once a week or once a month or however many times you come to church. We need to be praying in tongues every day. Number one, so you might want to write some of these things down so you can go back and, and stir yourself up after I've gone back home to Oklahoma. Number one, praying in tongues is the initial sign of being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the outward manifestation, so to speak. Acts 2, 4 says, when they were filled, they spoke immediately. Immediately. Not three weeks later, not a year later. When they were filled on the day of Pentecost, they began to speak immediately. Acts 10, 44 says, when Peter preached, the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles and they spoke with tongues. Acts 19.6, Paul was ministering to the believers in Ephesus. When he laid his hands on them, they spoke with tongues. So it wasn't just that, you know, people say, well, that was just for the day of Pentecost. No, it wasn't just for the day of Pentecost. That was the initial outpouring. But look, you can see over and over and over throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost would fall on people and they would begin to speak with tongues. With, with being filled and, and speaking with tongues, it's not a, a badge that we need to, you know, like a lanyard that says, I speak with tongues. That's not the purpose of it. But I will tell you this. When we pray in tongues, it reminds us that the Spirit of God is speaking through us. Yeah. Amen. That's good. God puts His Spirit in us to flow through us yes. to touch lives around us. Yes. That's the purpose. A very important purpose. Number two, praying in the spirit makes us more conscious of the fact that God lives in us. First Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that the spirit of God lives in you? He lives in me. The spirit of God is in me. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Who's in me? The Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. God lives in me. And when we get that really, really down in us, I'm telling you what, it will affect how we think. It affect what we do. It will affect every area of our life when we really, really get it in us that God lives in me. God lives in me. He lives on the inside of me. When I pray, I'm conscious of the fact that God is in me. Number three, praying in tongues increases our sensitivity to his voice on the inside. How is he going to speak to us? Since God is on the inside, then how is he going to speak to us? Well, in 1 Kings 19, it says, The Lord was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but rather a still, small voice. God is not going to 
more than likely God is not going to speak out to you verbally or audibly out here. Do this. Do that. He can. He could. But we can't count on that. That's not how he normally leads. He leads from within because that's where he's living on the inside of us. But it's up to us to learn to recognize that voice. If you were to blindfold me and bring me into this room and my husband was somewhere in this room and all y'all were talking at the same time, but I was instructed, go find your husband. You know, I might bump into a few chairs, (laughs) find him my way. But if everybody was talking, including him, I could find him. Because I've heard his voice for over 40 years. I know his voice. I can recognize his voice in a whole crowd. It's no different. The Holy Ghost on the inside of us. The Bible says there are many voices. I'm telling you, and those voices are from the outside. But we have to learn to recognize the voice on the inside. God is not hiding himself from us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. The Bible says for as many, and this is Romans eight fourteen, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He will lead, but we have to be sensitive to his lead. We have to know what his voice sounds like. And the only way that's going to happen is by praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll learn to recognize his voice. He will lead. We have to follow. And I'll tell you, he will lead the right way 100% of the time. He is not Siri. (laughs) Siri and I have this love-hate relationship. I'll give you a story. A few years back, we were in Galveston, Texas, trying to get to the uh, Intercontinental Airport in Houston. So we we asked Siri, how do we get there? We'll follow your lead. You know what? She led us. So, yeah, we got to the airport. But we got to the opposite side of the airport, took us to a dead-end street with a fence, and the terminal was on the other side of the airport. And she says, you have reached your destination. Now get out and walk. She said, get out and walk. And I was like, what? Walk? It's like across the runways. And I decided right then and there, I did not like Siri. She is not my friend. But you know, the Holy Ghost will not ever tell you, you're on your own. Get out and walk. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will not say, fend for yourself, figure it out. He lives on the inside of us. He will lead us. He will guide us. And he's always right. And he knows what he's doing. It's called follow the leader. Follow the leader. He's leading. Our job is to follow. Number four, when we pray in tongues, we are speaking divine mysteries to God. Amplified version calls it secret truths. I love that. When we pray in tongues, we're speaking secret truths to God. Man doesn't understand. You won't understand. A lot of people get hung up on that. Well, you know, I'm praying in tongues, but I have no clue what I'm praying about. It's okay. You're not speaking to yourself. You're not speaking to your your people around you. You're speaking secret truths to God. And he understands what you are praying when you pray in the Holy Ghost. He understands every word. Just know that. Just know that. It's okay that you don't know. It's not for you to know. You're speaking divine secret truths to God. Number five, praying in tongues aids not only in our prayer life, but in praying for others as well. 
Romans 8, 26 and 27 in the Amplified says, The Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses, for we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. Have you ever had a situation you encountered where you just really didn't know how to pray? You weren't sure what the will of God was. You know, you, you just didn't know how to pray for that situation, perhaps in your life or even in someone else's life. Yeah. There have been times when, you know, I mentioned yesterday, I can tell by people's countenance oftentimes if they're going through a hard time. But I don't always know what's, in fact, most of the time I don't know what's going on. But I know to pray because the Holy Ghost knows. And so in those situations, you don't know exactly what's going on, perhaps in their life, or <clears throat> the will of God in a situation for their life. But the Holy Ghost does. That's when you begin praying in the Spirit. You say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but you do. So I'm going to let the Holy Ghost flow through me in praying for them because he knows your will and he'll always pray in line with your will. That's when you switch over and you begin praying in the Spirit for either yourself or for someone else. A great, great aid in our prayer life. Number six, praying in tongues will build up our inner man. You know, you have an inner man, an inner person. It's not like a woman with a man in the body. That's not what I'm talking about. You have an inner, a spirit, a spirit on the inside of you. That's the real you. We are a spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul, your mind, your will, your intellect. But the true, real you is a spirit. And when you, when you reach the end of your life on earth, your spirit will go to be with Jesus. Amen. Your spirit will leave your body. I know it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. No, it's not. It's Bible. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And so when we pray... We build up that inner person on the inside of us. We build up our spirit. In 1 Corinthians 4, 4, the New Living Translation says, A person who speaks in tongues strengthens himself. It's like, it's like exercise, which to me, that's a four-letter word. Don't like exercise. Don't like strengthening my body. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I have a husband. He can pick up whatever I need to pick up. <laughs> I remember years ago I went and thought, okay, I'm going to get into this working out thing. So I went and got on this machine where uh, you, you, you put weights and you, you lift it up like this with your you know, leg. And, and so I was like, ooh, ooh. And I said to the person that was standing by me, you know, at doing the weights, I said, could you take off? the weights take off some more weights and he goes ma'am there are no weights on that and I'm like okay I guess I need to strengthen my legs <laughs> no weights at all but, but someone that's really into lifting working out like your pastors you know they they you, you the more weight the better because it strengthens it strengthens you. It builds your muscles. It builds you up. Yeah. Praying the Holy Ghost, spiritually speaking, yeah, yeah. will strengthen you on the inside. It'll build you up. The Bible calls it edifying. Just simply means it'll build you up. It'll strengthen you. 
It's also like, well, Jude verse 20 says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's another verse. We, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we build ourselves up. I like to think of it as a power source. When my, this iPad runs out, which it's not going to run out before I finish, <clears throat> when it gets low on battery, you know, I don't go, oh, well, throw it away. I'll get another one. No, you take the charger and you plug it in this, then you plug it into an electrical power source and within minutes, hours, nights, days, whatever, you will have fully charged battery again. Yeah, amen. It's no different. Spiritually speaking, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we charge that battery, so to speak, on the inside. We plug into the power source being God, and he downloads into us power that just puts us over. Praying in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Number seven, praying in tongues helps get us through the hard times. You say, oh, there are hard times? Yep. They're hard times because we live in this world. We're in this world. We're not of it, but we are in this world. And there are going to be hard times that will come. But it doesn't mean it has to knock us down where we stay down forever. The key is to get back up. Just get back up. But it helps us get us through the hard time. In James 5.13, it says, is anyone afflicted? Now, I read that for years. And, you know, and and just, just would read that whole passage. And I thought that afflicted basically meant sick. You know, we talk about the afflictions. And I thought automatically, oh, that's sick. So anyone, any afflicted, let them pray. If anybody's sick, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. So I started looking closer. Afflicted does not mean sick. There are different instructions. If anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. That's what that verse says. But it's totally different. Then it says, if, is any, if any of you are afflicted, that word really means having a hard time. Going through a hard place. What does it say? It says, let him pray. Let him pray. Let him pray. It doesn't mean call the pastors. It says, I need you to pray. Grow up. Grow up. Come on. Come on. Good, pre- good. good preaching. God expects us to grow up. Yes. What if you had a child that was 50 years old or 30 years old or whatever, and you still had to feed them? They would, there would be something drastically wrong. God wants us and expects us to grow up. He said, if you're having a hard time, in other words, there's going to be hard times, but I'll tell you what to do. You pray. You pray. You pray. And I'll just tell you what, you get in, you begin praying in tongues. You begin praying in the spirit. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, there'll be strength that will rise up in you. There will be joy that will begin to rise up in you. There will be peace like a river that begins to flow out of you and, and saturate your mind. All, all from praying in tongues. If you're afflicted, if you're having a hard time, let him pray. We can pray through to victory. Your pastor, Brenda, and I we were raised similar backgrounds, Assembly of God. And I can remember my dad closing many, many, many a service, hardly ever a service without, saying, y'all, y'all come around the altar and, and you're welcome to pray. And, yeah. and um, if you need to pray through, you just come on down here. And, you know, I didn't really think anything about it. That's what I grew up with. In recent years, I've heard people or 
through the years. People will kind of make fun of people that, you know, oh yeah, they got to pray through. But you know what? Sometimes we do have to pray through until you break through into a place of victory. It's okay. Don't stay in that place of defeat. Pray in the Holy Ghost until you pop through into victory. Our prayers should always end in victory, not in defeat. In gladness, not in sadness. Praying in the Holy Ghost will help get you through the hard times. Number eight. Praying in tongues is a time of refreshing. In Isaiah, the prophet looking, looking forward to the day of the church. He said for in verse chapter 28 <clears throat> verses 11 and 12. He said with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. There's something about praying in the Holy Ghost. A few weeks ago uh, we had an extremely uh, busy summer. We had a mission school at our, at our church for 12 weeks. And um, we kept praying, Lord, who's supposed to do this thing? You know, who's supposed to be the director of this thing? And we never could get an answer. And all of a sudden, little, suddenly the light came on and it was like, you are. Like, oh, okay. So we did the mission school. It was uh, 8 to 12, four days a week. Then, of course, we had Wednesday nights. We had weekend Sundays. And so it was, uh, by the time we had graduation, um, it was uh, a really busy, we were really, we decided we were going to the mountains. So we went to Colorado for like a few days. Actually, our staff performed um, kind of a mutiny and, and um, made arrangements that we weren't coming home after four days. We were staying a week, which God bless them, God bless them. So we stayed a week, but we went there to get refreshed. So we rested our bodies. But you know, you can go away for a few days and rest your body and come home and still be tired. If you ever gone on vacation, you come home and you need a vacation. And so um, the first, actually the first probably three and a half days, every time we, every time we would sit, we would fall asleep and we're like, well, either it's because we're old or it's because of the altitude. We're going to go with the altitude. Thanks. But we were, you know, our bodies were tired. We slept. But then, you know, we know that praying in tongues is, causes refreshing to come. Because it says in Acts 3.19 that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So we began setting some time aside to pray. We just began to pray. We would, in the evenings, instead of watching TV, we would pray. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, we tapped into some rivers of prayer. We got some specific direction. And I'm telling you, that refreshed us even more than going to the mountains. But I do understand why Jesus went to the mountains to pray. It's like, oh, I can so pray here. We need to move here. No. <laughs> so, but, but we were refreshed when we came home. We rested our body. But I'm telling you what, our spirits got refreshed because we spent time praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying out His plan. Praying out direction. So, um, just don't think that just going away is your answer. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Times of refreshing come from His presence. Number nine. Praying in tongues helps in giving thanks to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. We need both. 
I remember, I think the first time I ever heard singing in the spirit, it was in, when I was in that meeting of Vicki Jameson's in Tyler Street Methodist Church. Again, that was that whole night that just impacted me for the rest of my life. But I remember thousands, well, hundreds. It was a huge church. I don't know how many people were there, but it was packed. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people lifting up their voice, worshiping and singing in the spirit. I thought, oh, this has got to be what heaven sounds like. (gasps) Amazing. That's what he's talking about here. We sing. Pastor Tom leads us in worship with our understanding. And then he is so amazing to switch over into that flow. I love how when you walk in, there's a flow going of worship into this, in this auditorium. Preparing the atmosphere. Creating an atmosphere for God to come because he said he lives and dwells in the praises of his people. But there's a point where after you sing your songs or, you know, worship, you, you run out of words. It's like there are no words. Words just are not adequate to express what's in me. So that's when the Holy Ghost will hook up with me and it begins to come out. Sometimes I sing in my prayer language or I'll worship in my prayer language. I'll pray. I'll sing. We need to do both with our understanding and with the spirit. He said in Ephesians 5.18, be filled Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And number 10. Praying in tongues will increase our ability to walk in love. Praying in tongues will increase our ability to walk in love. One of the greatest traps of the enemy is that of offense. Years ago, we had, um, we had a uh, Great Pyrenees. I don't know if any of you know what a Great Pyrenees is. It's a great big dog. He was 150 pounds, solid white, just a big, big polar bear. And he was my baby. And um, so we would let him out. And we had... Um, possums in our backyard uh, that would we had a fence and a wooden fence and those possums would get on top of the fence and taunt Dakota and they would just sit there and of course he's barking his head off and trying to jump up on the fence and they were just out of reach where he couldn't reach it and then they would move and you know he's going nuts absolutely nuts although there was one time he caught one it was the greatest display we look out, and the thing fell off in the yard. He grabbed it, had it in his mouth, and he, I thought, that's probably how it was when they made an open show of the, de- you know, the open show of the uh, teacher, what am I trying to say? An open show. Yes, they made a show of them openly, you know. Okay, so here's, this, here's our, our Dakota. He is prancing. His head is up. He is prancing back and forth in our yard, making sure that mom and daddy saw. He had that possum in his, and the possum was playing possum because he wasn't dead yet, yet. And so he is strutting with that possum hanging out of his mouth. He was so proud. He caught that thing. thought, good for him. Good for him. He caught that possum. Do you know how to spell possum? Just thought I'd throw that in. Huh? See, that's what I always thought, too. I know. It's with an O. Go figure. 
Ask me how I know that. <clears throat> People in our church told me. <laughs> I, yes, but see, I still, spell, I still spell it with a P. It starts with an O. Anyway, that's a little side trip. <clears throat> yes, O-P-O-S-S-U-M. I know. Who made up that word anyway? I think it starts with a P. Possum. So anyway, but let me just say, so, so anyway, that's a little side story. But that's how we should be. We catch it. We catch it. We catch it. And we strut with it. Because we're the master of it. Not going to fall in that trap. So there was a man in our church that was a trapper. So we called him and we said, hey, can you come over and set a trap? We are having major issues with possums. Uh, And so he did. He brought over a trap, set it up by the fence. And he put a very stinky bait in there. I mean, really smelly bait. And you know what? It took a few days. But that possum went in. And when he walked in that trap, the door slammed. And we caught ourselves a possum. He took him, took him and let him go somewhere else in another neighbor's yard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> joke, joke. But, but that, that, that smelly bait is what drew him in. And I'm telling you what, offense is like that smelly bait. It will draw you in. Something happens. You hear somebody said something about you. Or the pastor didn't speak to you. It's, and normally it's those that are closest to you that will offend you. I remember when we first got married. We hadn't been married very long. We were on a road trip. We stopped at Wendy's back in the day when they had salad bars. So we were sitting there eating our salad bar. And I'm just eating my salad, you know, eating the salad, not the salad bar. Eating the salad. <laughs> Might as well have been the salad bar. No. So I'm eating the salad. And all of a sudden, my, my husband, we'd only been married a few months. He looks and he says, wow, you're going through that salad like a mowing machine. (laughs) That was the wrong thing to say. A mowing machine. It so shocked me that I didn't even reply. I thought, I can't believe he just, I just kept looking down. I thought, I can't believe he just said I'm a mowing machine. And so I immediately slowed down eating, and tears began to roll down my cheeks. <laughs> began to roll down my cheeks and drop in my salad. I was so hurt. My feelings were hurt. So we got in the car. We went along. We were driving up to Michigan, and that was in, that was in Rolla, Missouri. So we had a long, long, quiet trip for hours, hours. But you know what? I hadn't been married very long, and I quickly found out that, you know what? You cannot have uh, uh, feelings on your shoulder and, and have peaceful marriage. Because there's always going to be something that someone's going to say or your spouse is going to say or you're going to do and he'll be told. He's like, what, what, what I say, what I do? I'm like, really? So husbands, never tell your wife she's eating like a mowing machine. Especially on that date night. Mmm, not good. <laughs> but the whole point... Is there will be things that will come. Every day you're going to have an opportunity to get offended. Every day. A while back, I hadn't seen a little lady in our church for a few weeks, actually. And so I had one of our associate pastors. I said, call her. Tell her that I I just was concerned. I hadn't seen her. I wanted to make sure she was okay. 
she's probably in her late 70s. And so anyway, um, so our associate came back to me and he says, I said, did you get hold of her? And he said, yeah, I did. And I said, is she okay? He said, yeah, but I think she's offended at you. I'm like, what did I do? He said, I don't know. And I said, really? She's offended at me? Did you tell her that I asked you to call her to make sure she's okay? He said, yeah, I told her. And he says, but she's offended. So lo and behold, we went to a, a fellowship group a few weeks later. And, and um, for the, we call them our prime timers. And she was there. So I walked up to her and I hugged her neck and I said, hey, uh, Pastor Jerry checked on you for me. Did he tell you? Yeah, he did. And he told me you were offended, that I offended you. You know what? Sometimes you just have to hit things right face to face. I was sweet. I just said, Pastor Jerry said I offended you. And I don't know what I did, but I want to apologize. I am so sorry. But, you know, what did I do? And she said, oh, I didn't say that. I thought, well, he sure didn't make it up. I just said, well, are you sure that you're not offended at me? Because I want to make it right. I love you. I had him check on you. I would never do anything to offend you. And she says, you know, I've always had a problem with being offended. I get offended really easy. She said this to me. She was raised in the church. Raised in the church. And I said, well, you know what? We all have opportunities to get offended. But bottom line, sometimes we have to make a choice. Am I going to be offended or am I not? And she goes, yeah, I've worked on that for years. I said, then I would encourage you to keep working on it. Because <laughs> you, you haven't landed yet. <laughs> I was so sweet. So you know what? She was back the next service and she's been totally fine. I think in her mind, maybe I didn't speak to her. Seriously. Maybe I walked past her and didn't hug her or something. I don't know. But either way, she was offended at me. And I thought, I'm not going to let this sit. I'm going to just let her know, you know what? I love you, but you know what? You got, you got to get over this. I told her, I said, it's a terrible way to go through life. I said, offended. Because you know why? Because the Bible says faith works by love. Yeah. And the ultimate goal of an offense is to get us out of faith or to get us out of love. Because if we get out of love, our faith will not work. Will not work. Because the Bible says faith works by love. So isn't that interesting how just a little something where someone can get offended or even you get offended over something could be the smallest to the greatest. But the goal of that is to get us out of love. First Corinthians 13. I tell people, read it every day if you need to read it every day. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. Doesn't even notice. Doesn't even notice. That's a goal for all of us. Love doesn't get its feelings hurt. It's not touchy. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. God would not have said faith works by love if we could not walk in love. Constant offense, it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And so we have to grow up in him. Grow up in him. When those opportunities, when those things happen, when those things come, our direction, you have an instant to make a choice. I will or I won't be. Will you be or will you not be offended? A while back, um, several years ago, actually, we had been ministering in Europe. And uh, we were about to wrap our trip up. We were heading home the next morning. And uh, we were with uh, some of our friends over there, and we just got to talking, and, and they said, we need to share something with you guys. You need, to know some, you need to know what's going on, and we just feel like we need to tell you. And we're like, 
what? And uh, they began to tell us that there was another couple that we've known for many, many years that knew us very well, were saying some things about us, the, some things that we had done, some things we had said, and it was so off the wall, like, what? They know us. You know us. Does that sound like us? And they're like, we know, but that's what they're spreading. So I was crushed. I was literally crushed. Remember, we went back to where we were staying and um, began to pack our things because we were going to leave, you know, we were going to leave early the next morning. And so um, I packed, went to bed. I didn't sleep very well, just tossed and turned because every time I would roll over, I would think about what, what I heard. And I'm like, how in the world? How in the world? How in the world? And why? Just couldn't get it figured out in my mind, but it was consuming my thoughts. Consuming my thoughts. So we went to the airport, got on the airplane. I was very quiet. Got on the airplane, and um, we were sitting there, and um, I wasn't saying anything. And I remember thinking, if I just close my eyes and go to sleep, then I won't think about it anymore. Because I just didn't want to think about it. Because there was no solution. And so I remember we were about to take off, and I just closed my eyes. And the minute I closed my eyes, I heard on the inside, because that's where he lives, that's where he's going to speak. But there are times when it's a still, quiet voice, and there are other times that it can be a little more strong. And I heard very strong on the inside, keep yourself in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost. I didn't have to ask, could you repeat that, please, sir? I got it. So I remember I just began praying in tongues under my breath because we're on the airplane, you know, and I just began praying in the spirit. I drifted off to sleep. I woke up probably an hour or so later. And when I woke up, it was gone. Gone. The hurt. You know, hurt. You can, I mean, it's, the broken heart is, it's, 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 it's tangible. The hurt was gone. The thoughts were gone. I mean, gone. It was such a, a, a sign and a wonder to me that I remember he was next to me and I'm like, lovey, 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 I have to tell you something. And so, you know, he looks at me and I said, so I told him what happened. And he said, you know, right before you closed your eyes, I started to reach over and say, uh, you know, why don't you pray in tongues? And I said, it's a good thing you didn't. I probably wouldn't have taken it very well from him. I don't need you to preach to me right now. I just need you to pet me, you know, love on me, agree with me. You know, we should be, you know, hurt, you know. That's what our flesh wants. But praying in the Holy Ghost was exactly what I had to do. And that is exactly what got me over the offense. And you know what? Amen. Never touched it again in my thought life. Never went there. Never went there. Never came up again. But I, I never, I just refused to go there. I've seen these people before, or since then. Hug, love, love them. It's okay. Doesn't matter. It's as if it never, ever happened. You say, how can that be? It's because I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Prayed in the Holy Ghost. Prayed in the Holy Ghost. So I would say today, when offense comes your way, make a choice and say, 
Great peace have I which love thy law, and nothing shall offend me. Because I will pray in the Holy Ghost. I will walk in, with him who lives on the inside of me. He'll flow out of me. I will be a blessing to all those around me. Amen. Amen. Okay, I want to stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pray in, in this. We're going to pray in tongues for just a few minutes before we go. We got time. But I just want to ask this. Is there anyone here that you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost? You've never been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If so, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody at all. This might be just all home folk. Well, let me just tell you something real quick. Maybe you're in those statistics that you, you, maybe you received, but you never prayed again. I prayed with people through the years. They've told me that in the prayer room. You know, I received, I remember one man. He said, I prayed, I received the Holy Ghost 40 years ago. And the minute I walked out of that prayer room, that devil whispered in my ears, that was just you. You made the whole thing up. That was just you. And he said, you know, I never prayed in tongues again. Don't let that be you. It is you. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began. There's an understood subject there, which is the word they. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the words. Your job is to speak. He'll give you the words. You open your mouth. You produce the sound. And the Holy Ghost will flow through you. There's a working together. The Holy Ghost doesn't have a mouth. He doesn't have tongue. We yield our members to Him and He flows out of us. So let's lift up our voice. Let's lift up our hands and let's begin to praise Him. In the spirit, in tongues.